As we begin, I'll make mention of a few announcements and prayer requests and updates and the like. Uh, first, tonight we'll be beginning a new sermon series uh, looking to the Gospel of John as we go through the Sunday evenings uh, services in some of the weeks upcoming. So looking to the Gospel of John and uh, in addition to that, We'll be reviewing the day's services, so men, if you'd especially pay attention to the day's events, uh, we'll uh, speak about them after the evening service. Next Sunday evening is a church business meeting. Our our particular uh, goal will be to discuss the October missions giving and the goals that we'll set for that. And then other things you can note upcoming um, September 26th is this Saturday, this Saturday, and we had been planning uh, before COVID to uh, go and visit our neighbors and let them know about uh, the church being here, especially those who had moved into the community just recently. But because of COVID, instead, we're going to gather together just like we would, and we're going to write letters to those who have moved into the area. So if you're able to write and enjoy writing and Carpal tunnel isn't your your hardship. Um, uh, we'll, we'll meet for the same duration of time this Saturday, uh, ten to noon, and I'll have uh, I'll have uh, a format for you. I'll have uh, basically a template uh, and particular wording that you can copy down just the wording as it is if you'd like. Um, and we'll try to get as much uh, as much interaction as we can with those who have recently moved into the into the area. Uh, I, I will be very surprised if the nursing home opens on October 11th. But, uh, it, is, it is possible. We'll pray that the Lord is kind in, in the coronavirus. Um, if we look to the prayer requests and, and particular things there, I did learn this morning that McKenna, uh, Floyd Lindahl's granddaughter, um, in addition to the heart surgery which went well, they afterward found some lung problems, and now there's uh, infection in the area of the breathing tube. So if you could pray for baby McKenna, um, certainly things are, are not well for her physically. Um, pray that God would be kind and even raise her up. Um, Bruce is Lynn's fr- friend, and we prayed for him in the past. Uh, he's uh, worse and worse and obviously not doing well. And he is not a believer. Uh, he knows the gospel. He is not a believer. So pray, pray for Bruce that God would work in his heart. Um, and then I mentioned others, uh, other prayer requests uh, in relation to houses for sale. Um, Calvary Baptist Church in Winona is pastored by Adam Birch. I do not uh, know him uh, personally, but we'll pray for uh, Pastor Birch that God would Uh, bless in the ministry even as they have all of the uh, things that uh, all the other churches are going through trying to uh, figure out what to do and how to meet and how to minister uh, in the time uh, in the current circumstances Uh, so other things that you know from listening to the news uh, certainly God is changing and working in our nation and might God uh, get our attention and get our adoration and petition even as we see 
things going on in the world around us. Our scripture memory is Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will be glad, and my inmost being, being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Uh, Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. God has been kind in giving us emotions so that our inmost being can rejoice. Uh, might we use um, all of that joy for things proper and uh, in accordance with the directions of the Lord? Might we rejoice in what is right and good and beautiful and true? Might the Lord even receive praise from our lips as our inmost being rejoices? Uh, Proverbs twenty-three, fifteen, and 16. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will be glad And my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Let us uh, bow in prayer this morning. Let us go, go to our Lord this morning. Our Lord, we thank you that you have, in your kindness, gathered us together. We are but sheep. And you are the great and good shepherd. We look to you and pray that you might be our helper and be our salvation, be our deliverance. We thank you, Lord, that you care for us in time of need. We pray that you would strengthen and help us to be faithful in bringing great and small petitions and requests before you and likewise might we be faithful and consistent in bringing great and small praises before you Uh, even as we think of the sorrows of those in the west experiencing fire and smoke and all of the devastation that those bring uh, we rejoice at the beauty of the sunrise and the sunset because of that. Lord, be gracious even in your sovereign care of your world and the weather and all aspects of your creation. Lord, we thank you that we can gather together and we pray that you would use your word in our lives. Pray for those who aren't able to be with us that you would even by your word encourage them Uh, today. I pray for Jean and Paul and for Milt and Sandy and Ernie and Mary Jane. I pray for Joanne and Judy and for Lynn and Rochelle. And I pray for myself and Elaine. I pray for Mary Ann. I pray for Aaron and John. I pray for Brent and Lynn, pray for Kevin and Stephanie and Jonathan and Steph, and for your kindness in Matt and Tabitha's life, and Ben and Samantha, and Lord, for Isaiah and Alethea, and for uh, Rochelle and Lynn, for Linda and for Daniel. Uh, Lord, as I have prayed, 
I pray again, use your word in our lives this day as we gather together around it. I pray for our friends and for our families, each one who's with us even today. Uh, Use your word in our lives and our circumstances. We thank you for the encouragement and joy of your answers to prayer. We pray for your kind continuing answers to prayer in the days ahead. Might you be kind in uh, the church in Winona, even today as they gather to worship. Might you get the glory and might your blessing be on their assembly. We pray, Lord, that you would work especially in McKenna's little body. Um, We would pray that you would deliver her from her afflictions and that she might be able to grow into a godly young girl who would serve and praise you, who would direct others to your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for bringing the gospel to Bruce's attention. And I pray that you would arrest his spirit and his thoughts with his need of Christ, that before it is too late, he would turn to you, that he would call upon you and look to your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who alone can deliver from sin. I pray, Lord, that you would bless those who are struggling And grieving even today with the news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, um, many political fights and battles expected in the days ahead. Lord, be gracious to our nation. And if you would bring judgment upon us, I pray that in judgment you might remember mercy. Lord, bless us as we look to you, as we lift up the praise of your name and the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by whom we come to you in prayer, rejoicing, looking to him, and coming into your presence only because of him. We pray this in his name. Amen. Our habit is to be reading the Psalms as we begin, and so Psalm 14 is our reading this morning uh, inside of your bullet. Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all the workers of wickedness not know, who eat up my people as they eat bread? And do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great dread, for God is with the righteous generation. You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. 
when the Lord restores his captive people, Jacob will rejoice, Israel will be glad. Amen. As we come together in song today, we're focusing on the union that we have with Christ. Hymn number 206, 206 in the gray hymnal. Arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. And as you're able, we can stand to sing, arise, my soul, arise. Arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears, the pleading sacrifice in my behalf appears, before the throne my surety stands, before the throne my surety my name is written on his hands. He ever lives above for me to intercede. His all-redeeming love is precious blood to Oh, 
I. And then just a few uh, pages forward, hymn number 229. 229. And um, can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? And can it be 229? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me, who caused his Amazing. 
to sing with you in praise of our Lord. Our worship this morning in giving, I invite the ushers to come at this time, is also in the gray hymnal 218. I hear the words of love 218, if you'd like to follow along with the offertory. Let us bow before our Lord and ask, His blessing even on this offering. Let's bow. Lord, we come in joy and in confidence, not because there is any good thing in us, or there is no one who does good, not even one, but because we have every good thing in Christ. And we rejoice to be in fellowship with your son. And we rejoice in the fellowship that gives us with you. Lord, comfort our hearts as we look to you. Give us great joy as we look to you. Bless even this offering as you have bountifully blessed us. Might you use it for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Continue in song. I invite you to turn in the blue hymnal to who? To 462, 462. 
Be thou my vision, 462. The last verse, High King of Heaven will sing a cappella, 462, Be Thou My Vision. to the word and see the union of Christ with us. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 12, beginning in 1 Corinthians 15 and the 12th verse. First Corinthians 15, 12 through 22. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, 
then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, and if it is true that the death, dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you first and foremost for your resurrection, the resurrection of Christ. Um, Though we don't know everything, or even very much relatively in this world, we know that Christ died for our sins and was resurrected on the third day, and in that we have faith, and in that we have hope. And we cannot see the future, except for what you've revealed to us, but even then, only through through, uh, through your word. But we can see, and we can know, and we can trust that you bring life, that you give life, and that you, the author of life, raised your son from the dead. And in that, we have hope. And no matter what happens in this life, in this world, we are alive with Christ. In him we have unity. Not only with him, not only with you, but with each other. And I pray that we will count on that resurrection as we are able to and believe it and make it real um, to ourselves every day and, and understand its reality and its power. I pray that we will be uh, conscientious of each other and each other's needs and that we will be unified with each other through you as we are unified with you in your resurrection and in your life. Pray that you will give us a good Sunday service and um, that you will give us the open eyes that we need to understand your word and to hear uh, from your word the truth. Pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue, we'll look to the blue hymnal once again. Hymn number 390 in the blue. Jesus paid it all. 390 in the blue. Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. 
John of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus made it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus made just a few pages, 362, Rock of Ages. And again, as you're able, we'll stand as we sing 362, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let me hide myself in thee, let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed, me have sinned the double cure, cleanse me from its guilt and power, not the labors of Oh 
good my tears forever flow all for sin could not atone thou must save and thou alone nothing in my hand I bring safely to thy cross I cling naked come to thee for dress helpless look to thee for grace foul I to fountain fly watch me Savior or I die while I draw this fleeting breath when my eye lives close in death when I soar to worlds unknown see the on my judgment Ages glad for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Then above the world and sin, through the veil drawn right within, I shall see. Story saved by grace, rock of ages, clap for me. Let me ever be with thee. You may be seated. As we come to the word this morning, we come to our last sermon in the book of Haggai. We rejoice in what God teaches us, Old Testament and New Testament, as he has clearly revealed to us in the New Testament. We are to look to the Old Testament and learn that we might love the Lord rightly and hate that which he hates and not come under the wrath of God because of following the example of those who are unbelieving. Today as we come to this last segment in the book of Haggai, We'll read verses 17 through 23, Haggai chapter number 2, verses 17 through 23. We're picking it up in the middle of the previous paragraph, but uh, the context I think is clear as we pick it up. Haggai chapter 2, I'll begin by reading... Verse 17 to the, to the end. I smote you in every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail, yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. 
Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider, is the seed still in the barn? Even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, it has not borne fruit. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of kingdoms of the nations, of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord. And I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Here we have God telling what he has done and what he will do. Telling what he had done among the people of Judah and what he promised to do in a future time among the people of Israel. You may get in the mail some of the same bulk mailings that I sometimes get that my wife and I rather quickly chuck into the recycling. It says something to the fact that you are the lucky winner of one of several prizes. Right? Now, why is it that we chuck it right in the, in the trash? Because we know that the promise is no good. The promise is not trustworthy. I, I think I've told you, I, I forget, but for the sake of those who haven't heard or don't remember, um, I was about... 10 or 11 or 12 when I was first disillusioned of this whole promise and uh, a reward. Uh, So I loved reading. Back then, the computers were rather new. I think we were past uh, the Model 86 and and we were somewhere in the uh, realm of 286 and 386 of the the IBM processors. Um, And my dad and I, we would read the computer shopper and I would read it rather extensively because it looks so fascinating to all these fast, glitzy, glamorous computers. Uh, and at one point, I bought uh, another magazine, and it had those scratch rewards. If you scratch it off and it matches, you get a computer. And I scratched one after another, and I got exactly what was underneath. And I was so delighted. I was going to get a computer. And I was, I was young. I didn't have any computer at this time. I was going to get a computer. Well, I sent in this, uh, I sent in the, the scratch and the, uh, the reward to the address that was listed. I didn't tell them my age. And I did look in the details of the fine print. There was no age limit. Plus, I hadn't told them. Guess what happened? Three months later. Six months later. Ten years later, I was still waiting. I was still waiting. 
I learned uh, I should probably photocopy before I send those in. <laughs> that I learned. But I also was disillusioned. They are not telling the truth. Well, on rare occasions they are. But uh, most of the time, you, they say, this is free. And it's free with a purchase. Uh, there, there are all kinds of circumstances of life which you have probably experienced where the reward doesn't match up with the promise. Well, here we learn, as we come to the end of Haggai, we're reminded of the main truth of the whole book. And we learn that God can change the deprivation of judgment to the fruitfulness of blessing. God can change the deprivation of judgment to the fruitfulness of of blessing. And this is his promise. This he has promised here to the people of Israel. This he has promised to us. If we will but trust in him. Hope in him. Look to him and to his son. Might we pray that the Lord would direct our hearts to this text. And to understanding it aright. And to loving it aright. Might we bow. Lord, we are weak and we are feeble. Strengthen us to attend to your word. Might we listen to it with ears to hear. Might we be obedient and submissive. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your promises. Yea, even the surety of them and the clarity of them. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God can change the deprivation of judgment into the fruitfulness of blessing. Uh, we have already seen, as we've gone through the book of Haggai, we've already seen God judging. God working sovereignly in weather, in crops, in nations, in human hearts. God working sovereignly in judgment. We've seen, for example, verse number six, you have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to satisfy. You drink, this is chapter one, sorry, and there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. He who earns holes earns wages to put it into a purse with holes. Why? Verse nine tells us, behold, it comes to little when you bring it home. I blow it away. That's the same language of certainty and language of clarity that's, that's spoken of, for example, even in our uh, text. Verse number 17. I smote you and every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. The, we see two things clearly as we think about the, the, the judgment that God can change into blessing. We, we see the certainty of judgment. The certainty of judgment. This language, I smote you and every work of your hands uh, with blasting wind. This is actually particular language speaking. The blasting wind was the, the wind coming over the from the east, coming over the Arabian, the desert, in, uh, the Arab desert and coming into Israel. And this wind picking up the heat 
the scorching heat of the desert would blow on the crops. And with its continual heat of blowing, the the crops would wither. They would perish. God has control of the judgment, even of the things that naturally occur in his creation. And and the certainty of this judgment is clear for the people of uh, Israel. As you think about the people of, of Israel, you think about the fact that God has promised that there will be blessing and judgment. Uh, this is uh, Jeremiah 18. Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring it. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. God is guaranteeing judgment. In in the Jewish context, that judgment was clear from the beginning of the covenant. You read, for example, Deuteronomy 30, and you find clearly that when Israel sins, God promised judgment. But that that same truth, that same reality, that where there is sin, God will certainly bring judgment, that same reality abides today. That same reality abides for us. The wages of sin, God says, is death. It's, It's important that we teach our children these basic salvation truths. We are all sinners And the result of being a sinner is death. God has said it. God has promised. So it must be. Then, if we continue on in our sin and we do not clean our accounts with God by Christ, in Christ, if we do not look to Christ, Hebrews 9 tells us it's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Judgment is clear, and judgment is certain. And this, this is true in uh, temporary physical circumstances, when God promises Israel that Jerusalem and, and the nation will be destroyed by other nations if they do not look to him and obey him. This this is true eternally for each individual person if we do not look to Christ and trust in Christ. Judgment is certain. The lake of fire is the eternal abode of all those who do not deal with their sin through Christ. Here the judgment is has been clear and the judgment 
was carried out. But God, in his kindness, can take the deprivation of judgment and turn it into the fruitfulness of blessing. And so we see a second truth as we consider this section of scripture. Not only is judgment certain, but blessing can be certain. Blessing can be certain. Note the language with which the Lord speaks. He speaks saying he's brought uh, all kinds of problems by blasting wind, mildew, and hail, yet you did not come back to me. The, the implication is very clear. The Lord would delight if his people would come back to him. The Lord would delight if the people of Jerusalem would be faithful and true to him. Instead of being faithful and true to their houses and their comforts. Do consider. Note note this language. This language has occurred previously. Do consider. Remember. uh, The the idea literally of the the Hebrew is to uh, set your mind upon something. Be, Be pondering this. God promises judgment, but he wants those who, who, who are his, he wants them to come back to him. He wants the Jews to return to him. Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded. Consider, is the seed still in the barn, even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree? It is not born fruit. Now, I have previously, in thinking about this verse, I think thought of it wrongly. I, I thought of it in terms of uh, you don't have much seed. You have a little bit of seed in the barn and you have a little bit of uh, cr- crops and trees and fruit uh, that's been uh, the, the, the vines and things have been spared from previous judgment by the Lord. But God is going to turn it around. That, that's how I previously had been thinking about that verse. But I think rather... That verse 19, the whole of it is, is, is speaking in terms of blessing. The whole of verse 19 is speaking in terms of blessing. Uh, Haggai is asking, is your fruit still in the barn? Or, or sorry, your seed still in the barn? And the, the answer that, that he's expecting is no. It's been planted. Uh, even the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, has it borne fruit? And, and the answer that he's anticipating is no, it's, it's prior to the fruit-bearing season. It's between the seed-planting season and the harvest time. And so when God says then on the lips of, of Haggai, yet from this day on I will bless you, he's looking forward to the promise of that fruit, that food, that sustenance being protected and cared for by God and then brought to harvest. God is promising blessing. From this day on, I will bless you. We see this blessing and this blessing which can be certain. We see it continued in the last section of Haggai, the last section from verse 20 through down through verse number 23. 
then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Now, note, uh, this is the same time that's mentioned in verse 18, the 24th day of the ninth month. Verse 20, the 24th day of the month. Um, maybe a reason for thinking that evening services are worthwhile? Um, he comes and says, verse 21, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the king- kingdoms of the nations. I will overthrow the chariots and the riders and the horses and their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another. Here is another promise of judgment. Judgment is certain. Now, in this case, it's judgment on Israel's enemies. They, they are going to uh, align against each other. There is going to be civil war amongst the enemies of Israel. On that day, verse 23, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Haggai is speaking to a very particular historical circumstance. We've, we've noted previously that Joshua is the priest and Zerubbabel is the governor. What, what is the implication of being made into a signet ring or being given a signet ring? I will make you like a signet ring for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? Uh, we, we, don't, we don't use signet rings. We, uh, so I have a ring but it's a wedding ring, and it shows that it's a demonstration of that, that I'm Elaine's, and Elaine's is mine, and we're, we're wedded. Um, but signet rings, that's not common usage in our, uh, in our culture. Well, this ties back to Jeremiah. Jer- turn, turn with me, if you would, please. Jeremiah in chapter number 22. Jeremiah in chapter number 22. Verse number 24, Jeremiah 22, 24. Note the kind of language that's used here. Um, Jeremiah is prophesying to Jehoiakim, the son of Jehoiakim. Uh, in this passage, he goes by the name Coniah. Jehoiakim is known in this passage as Coniah. As I live, declares the Lord, even though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my hand, right hand, yet I would pull you off and I will give you over into the hand of those who are seeking your life, yes, into the hand of those whom you dread, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and your mother who bore you into another country where you were not born and there you will die. But as for the land which they desire to return, they will not return to it. Here, here is a, a part of the promise that God has uh, given to Jehoiakim in particular, that uh, even if you were, uh, even you were, though you were as a signet ring on my right hand, yet I will pull you off. Well, who is Jehoiakim? 
He's the son of King Jehoiakim, and thus he himself is king. Jehoiakim is king. And that kingship, the fact that he is king, is described as him being God's signet ring on his right hand. And God is going to pull that signet ring off. God is going to destroy the kingship of Jehoiakim. And he's going to, as it were, give that signet ring to a foreign nation that the people of Israel would come into judgment. What is happening in Haggai is the opposite. The opposite circumstance is happening in Haggai. Uh, as you look to the, the time period of Joshua and Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel is consistently called in, in the book of Haggai by what title? By the title governor. By the title governor. You, you look back earlier, uh, verse number one, uh, came by the prophet of Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of uh, Judah. Or uh, later, um, in verse number, uh, not seeing, oh, verse 14. Uh, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. Uh, again, you have it in, uh, uh, in verse number two of chapter two, governor of Judah. And then in our text, uh, again, uh, speak to Zerubbabel, verse 21, governor of Judah. Uh, Zerubbabel was a pawn. He was an underling of the Persian ruler. And thus, his title went up as high as governor. Governor. But, but God promises blessing. God says, I am going to make you as a signet ring. You, you're, no, you're not going to stay as governor. You're going to be elevated to kingship. Now, what's really interesting is you, as you consider the promise that God has made, uh, two things. Number one, you look back to the history uh, of Haggai and this time period and the, the information that we know about uh, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the governor, as far as we know, always remains Zerubbabel, the governor. After Haggai, we find no record, no indication whatsoever that he did anything other than fall off the site of human history. Okay? Zerubbabel stays governor, as far as I understand how things work out in the aftermath of what's not told us. Okay? In, in, in the aftermath of what is told us outside of the Bible. Governor never, uh, uh, Zerubbabel never makes it above governor to king. So that's, that's the historical circumstance. So then, how is it that God can say, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Seotil, my servant, and I will make you like a signet ring. For I've chosen you. How does this work? It, it doesn't seem to fit the, the scope of what happened in history. And I would encourage us to think that this is the same kind of way that the, the, the prophecies concerning the Messiah in the Old Testament 
are understood by the Jews even to this day. We understand Jesus came to be king of Israel, but he was rejected by the the Jews as king of Israel. He died a bloody death. He died under the the, the power of the Romans. And and if you read the Old Testament and you read the promises of the Messiah coming in, in victory, coming as king, coming to reign... You might think of Jesus and you might think, hmm, this didn't work out. God's promises seem to have faltered. But that would that be a good way of thinking about the Old Testament promises about the Messiah? Not at all. You see, God isn't done with what Jesus has done. Jesus will one day return in the clouds, take the the church to be his own. And then he will come to to earth in victory and set up his kingdom and reign as has been foretold. Exactly as has been foretold. Should should we think any differently of, of Zerubbabel? So one day, those who are the Lord's will reign with him. Will that include Zerubbabel? I I believe, on the basis of the word of God here in Haggai, most certainly it will include Zerubbabel. And whether it's with great pomp and elaborate ceremony that Jesus, sitting on the throne, hands a a ring over to Haggai, to, to, to Zerubbabel, and publicly affirms him as king or or whether it's unknown to us ever and it's it's assumed as if it's already been done and he just hands off the signet ring as it were or puts him on the throne as a king under the king of kings i i don't know the scriptures don't make clear but they do make clear that zerubbabel will be king God has promised, so it must be. This is the same kind of thing that we think of when we think about the promise that uh, we've already read of in chapter 2 and verse 9. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. Now what happens after uh, the the uh, temple is com- concluded in 516 BC or thereabouts, as we learn from Ezra. Well, after that, Herod expands on the temple, and then in 70 AD, the temple is destroyed. And to this day, there is, as you all know, no temple in Jerusalem. Ha- has God's promise failed? No, God's promise has not failed. Well, let me read from a commentator. None of these things happened in the lifetime of those who heard Haggai. The temple was finished in 516 BC, but the treasures of the nations were never brought in in an eschatological sense. 
The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Zerubbabel dropped out of sight in a very few years with no explanation of what happened to him. Was Haggai wrong? No and no. Zerubbabel will be the signet ring, blessed of the Lord. He will be exalted as the Lord has promised. The nations will bring in their, their, their trophies and their, uh, their prosperity that will bring them into Jerusalem. God will perform all of his promises as he has proclaimed. So what do we learn? Two things. At least two things. Number one, God's promises of blessing don't always look like what we anticipate them to look like. I would imagine that Zerubbabel was thinking that he would be king in his lifetime before he died. Not after he was resurrected. I I would imagine that as Haggai preached and proclaimed, brought this announcement that the Lord said, the, the, the gold and the silver, all the, the tro- all the triumph of the nations would come into Jerusalem and flood, and, and they would be raised to preeminence again, like in the days of David and Solomon. I would imagine that every one of the hearers of, of Haggai's prophecy, they thought it would happen when? In their day, Right? God's promises are sure, even if they don't work out in the way that we expect them to work out. Number two, what ought we to learn? God's promises are sure, even when they don't work out as we expect them to work out. God's promises, number two, we need to wait for. We need to be patient. This is, this is a part of faith, is it not? They all died, Hebrews 11 says. They all died without seeing the promises. This is the life of faith. We wait. We persevere. We endure. We look with hope to the future. Because... As feeble as our minds are, we we misconstrue the promises sometimes. And surely when we do, the, the answer and the result of those promises is going to be far better than we could imagine. But just as we misconstrue them at times, so also we need to be patient and wait. Wait with long suffering. Wait with expectation. But wait. Dessert would be so much better if we were always first in the meal. But there are things worth waiting for of far more value than anything we could put into our mouths. Might the Lord bless us as we learn here that his blessings can be sure His blessings are worth waiting for even when we do not understand them aright. I I think of the number of blessings that we have from the Lord. 
And the fact that he is able to keep his blessings, to keep his promises, to fulfill all that he has promised, that that is an encouragement to us. Genesis 8. Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Summer and winter. Day and night will not cease. What other promiser could you look to who can actually make that kind of promise and carry it out? God says, those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. What greater hope of promise could you have than that God has said it? And so it must be. Let's bow before the Lord. Lord, we look to you and trust. And I pray if there are any here who have not yet put their hope of eternity in your care, that even today they would do that. I pray for each of us who are believing that you might strengthen our belief and grow our joy as we look to the hope of the promises and blessings which you have made sure in your word. We rejoice because of Christ and we look forward to greater things even than the physical things that the Jews were promised. We thank you for your assurance of them in the resurrection of Christ. We look forward to eternity, not just a day, a week, a year, not even just a millennium or a Googleplex of millenniums, but eternity with you. I pray that these and many other promises would excite our affections and joy toward you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God can change our circumstances. We who are sinners, able to do no good thing. Psalm 14. God can change us into his friends. The gray hymnal, hymn number 233, as we conclude, 233 in the gray. I invite you to stand and we'll, we'll sing together. I invite ladies to sing on the second verse. Uh, men will join in on the chorus and men to sing on the third verse. Ladies will join in on the chorus. So ladies on the second and men on the third. Let's sing hymn number 233. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul.
pray that you might rejoice to go forth in the blessing of the Lord, knowing the surety of the promises that he has spoken. God bless, Yard Smith.